This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, that is freetalklive.com. As we start things out, a story tonight to start the show that I mentioned yesterday we didn't get to. It's about coupons. Now, you wouldn't think it'd be too hard to make a coupon, right? You know, you've got to put some specific information on it, probably have to get in touch with your vendors or the, the places, the the, uh, the retailers, and probably, you know, it's, I'm sure it does take a little bit of effort, but it's a coupon. It's not like it's the most technologically complex device out there, right? A coupon. It's a piece of paper. Sounds relatively easy. Well, government can't even get coupons right. I mean, certainly a theme on this show is the ineffectiveness and inefficiency of government programs and how whenever uh, government attempts to do something, it usually results in the opposite of the original intentions of the program. If not the opposite, a total failure in that it doesn't actually reach its intentions, or certainly it doesn't reach them at the original level or budget that they were intended to reach, never can actually complete its programs in the way it expects to. And in the case of the Americans that are looking to the government to give themselves a discount on digital television converter boxes, turns out they're getting screwed. According to the Associated Press, some of them, uh, some Americans are finding that those government-issued coupons used to help pay for DTV boxes are expiring before they can be redeemed, according to House lawmakers. Consumers are also having a tough time finding converter boxes, which are sold out in some stores, and should be given more time to buy them even after the coupons expire, say the lawmakers during a House and Energy uh, subcommittee hearing. One of them said, if you can't get a box within the 90 days, then what good is this? He held up one of the coupons that resemble plastic gift cards. The government established a $1.5 billion coupon program to help millions of consumers buy the converter boxes before the... Five billion billion dollars. Taxpayer dollars are going to subsidize people so they can keep watching their television. Well, that's not really fair. It's the government is changing, is is forcing uh, television stations to change how they broadcast. So the government is is at fault here, but they're using our money to fix the problem. It uh, established this program to help people buy the converter boxes before the nationwide transition to digital programming in February. Households are eligible for two $40 coupons, which are aimed primarily at up to 21 million owners of the older model sets that rely on antennas to watch television. If they don't get a converter box when the country's broadcasters complete the switchover, they'll wind up staring at a blank screen. Cable and satellite TV subscribers do not need the boxes. Overall, about 8.5 million households have requested 16 million coupons since the program started earlier this year, according to the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, which is overseeing the coupon program. So far, nearly 3 million coupons have been redeemed. There are I'm eight. probably going to have to, you know, use one of these converter boxes to uh, to watch television as a result of this uh, legislation. Uh, that's it, not very likely. It's unlikely you'd be able to receive any TV signals where you live. None at all. I mean, there's we're on there's one coming out of Manchester, but I don't think you'd do too well with that. Um, actually, you you may mark. I believe there is a station out of uh, New York. I actually really? growing up grew up on antenna TV. So you got ABC out of New York, interstate New York. Somewhere. Well, anyway, it's possible, I suppose. Uh, there are 1,800 participating retailers. 
And while one of the uh, bureaucrats said there had been some evidence that several retailers have defrauded customers, there have been no egregious instances of waste, fraud, and abuse. Still, several unnamed retailers have been decertified for the program or from the program. I don't care about what the retailer is doing. I'm interested more in the coupons. According to this, of the roughly 840,000 coupons that recently expired, 42% were redeemed. According to the rules, consumers with expired coupons cannot reply or cannot reapply for new ones. 58% of consumers are ineligible to get new coupons. That could present some real serious problems, according to one legislator. Oh no, Americans might be without their precious television motion boxes if they have these coupons that expire. Several lawmakers have urged the NTIA to be flexible with consumers whose coupons expire, either by extending the deadline or allowing them to reapply for new coupons. The statutory deadline can't be changed, said the spokesperson for the NTIA, but the agency is examining the new idea that consumers could reapply for new coupons. He said the agency is weighing several factors, including whether there are enough funds to implement the idea. So the uh, the government's little coupon program not quite working out as they had originally intended. Uh, apparently putting expiration dates on these things to the point where people are getting the coupons and they've basically already expired and they're not really being given much of a, a window to go out and actually use the coupons. So, so much for government, you know, trying to help these people out, I guess. Just not working out as they intended. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's no surprise to me that the uh, the government failed uh, here when they put the, they gave themselves a deadline. They gave everyone a deadline. Well, they they gave the television stations a deadline, which I'm sure is very easy. You know, you guys have to switch over on such and such a date to only digital television. However, they got involved because they said, well, if we're forcing people to not be able to watch television, we're forcing these uh, TV stations. Uh, to uh, switch over, then we should provide the people that, you know, have old TVs and haven't upgraded to DTV, we should provide them with converters. So then they got themselves involved in the deadline. Obviously, they have to be able to, uh, you know, process these uh, these coupons, these, uh, I, I guess, you know, the coupons, they give money to the manufacturer of the uh, converter box. That makes sense? Is that how it works? Ooh, I know. I think it's the retailers. Or they refund um, money to the... No, I believe the, it's the retailers that okay. get the money. So, you know, they're involved, so they have to then cut checks and that kind of thing to the retailer. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they have to process this information all in a limited amount of time. And whereas retailers all across the country manage to do this on a daily basis... Mailing rebates, coupons, sure, discounts. Manufacturers discount do codes. the same thing. All that stuff's done, but, you know, the government... Well, they they don't do it very often, and uh, then you're asking you know bureaucrats to get up and do some work, and yeah, it just it fails miserably, and it, it's it's no surprise to me the government fails at just about everything it does. Well, yeah, and this is an attempt to address a problem created by government policy, which has itself failed. So government's created a new problem in trying to address the problem it created. Right. So they are the problem. So likely they'll be able to fix it by saying, okay, we're extending the deadline a year. We'll give our bureaucrats uh, an extra year, and then they'll put the uh, the expiration date on the coupons. They'll give they'll give themselves a, a year and a half to get the money to the uh, retailer. So you know they'll give themselves no interest loans to the retailer for eighteen months or something like that, and you know they'll they'll finally manage to pull it together. Oh, it's just an absolute mess. Though I didn't want to bring the story up to make it sound like I'm advocating that these uh, welfare recipients you know be treated better by the government. I just wanted to point out. I don't out consider them welfare recipients. I think that that's mean. Look, the government created the problem. I can't. I will not be able to watch 
uh, broadcast television because the government came up with this stupid rule that says that television stations can't So would broadcast. you take the coupon? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd take the coupon. There's nothing unprincipled about that. The government creates a problem, um, has a solution that, that you know, a, a, a crappy, crappy solution for you. Yeah, they should they should make me whole. Yeah, I can't say I would take the coupon. Nick, would you take it? Oh yeah, you would. Yeah, prob- probably. Okay. I, 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 I don't think know it's... what. Back up your side, calling these people welfare recipients or apologize. I'm not going to bow down to the state in order to get a forty dollar discount on a piece of electronics. I'm not going to jump through whatever hoops they require. What if, what if I'm not going to give them my name and information. The the state caused the problem. The the state being the federal government caused the problem. They are the ones at fault here. They did the wrong. They should be responsible for making the you know all parties involved whole. And the fact is, they're, they're doing it with other people's money. What's that? They're doing it with other people's money, Mark. Yeah, I, what, what am I supposed to do about that? They're, the the power that they got in order to shut down the televisions they got from those same jackasses that go, that, that support the system. You know, I wouldn't take it because I don't want federal government services. I don't want to be part of their program, so I wouldn't take it. I, I don't want to be part of their program either. But, but you when take they, the money. But when they come in my life and screw things up, yeah, I mean, they should pay to make me whole. Mm. 800-259-9231 is the number for you to take control of the airwaves. More I, coming up here. You know, it's one thing to receive welfare where you get yourself into a hole and then you want the government to bail you out. That's not the government's fault that you got into a hole, that you smoke crack or whatever it mm. is that you do. And calling them welfare recipients is, is wrong. It's mean. It's bad. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. It is your show. Tom in New Hampshire is on the way. Your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. They include archives. We've got an entire year's worth of the program right there on the front page of the website. Just put up the uh, torrent a little late, but uh, put it up today for May. So you can grab the entire month of May all in one fell swoop using our torrents. Just go to freetalklive.com to access those for free. President Barack Obama. How about John McCain? The North American Union, unconstitutional gun and drug laws, a national ID card? What's your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? The Free State Project knows that one size does not fit all. Participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire and join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we go to your phone calls about what you want, it's Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Yeah, uh, first of all, what did you think of my book? I I did not read your book, Tom. Okay, Uh, I met you guys at Pork Fest, and I told you about my book. That's right. I got a lot of books that I need to read, and yours is not one of them. I've got a huge list. I did did save the site, Tom, and uh, it's hard for me to read stuff that's online. I just, you know, kind of old-fashioned. I like to have a book in my hands, but uh, I have saved the site to to peruse at my leisure. So... Uh, on March 2nd of 2006, two 18-year-old college students were killed in a horrific crash in Burton, Ohio, caused by a drunk driver mm. who was 47 years old. And uh, he also critically injured was a 19-year-old Hiram College student in the back seat. Now, one 
uh, possible response among the students, the fellow students out there. Uh, one thing that a lot of family members do, misguided family members, is they team up with Mothers Against Drunk Driving because they, they have this thing in their head that says Mothers Against Drunk Driving is against drunk driving. But the students said, hey, wait a second, what was Mothers Against Drunk Driving doing while this guy was racking up his 11 prior drunk driving convictions? Well, they, Mothers Against Drunk Driving was pushing for sting operations, keg registration laws, counterfeit-resistant IDs, and harsher punishments on people under 21, namely a lot of these students themselves, uh, who get caught drinking responsibly, instead of going after these criminals that are driving around drunk. Obviously, it didn't make the two 18-year-old college students any safer, you know, no matter how well you can manage to suppress underage drinking, it's not going to stop these 47-year-olds from driving around drunk. So the students, a lot of them, they went to Columbus to lobby the Ohio legislature for tougher drunk driving laws. And they got Senator uh, Timothy Grendel to sub introduce Senate Bill 17, which unanimously passed the Ohio Senate and overwhelmingly has recently passed the Ohio House of Representatives, and now is before Governor Ted Strickland uh, for uh, you know to decide whether to sign it or not. And, and what does that do? That would crack down on repeat drunk drivers. Okay. Instead of, instead of punishing the people for being under 21 who drink responsibly, it would uh, put more punishment on. The repeat drunk driver. Now, isn't somebody who uh, drinks below the age of 21 that has any kind of alcohol in their system at all considered a drunk driver? Uh, that I'm not sure whether whether it uh, does that or not. But keep in mind that that's drinking and driving. Correct. No matter how you look at it, that's still and driving. It could be drinking cough syrup and driving, though. But it is. Uh, yeah, I know. And not only that, but it's the and driving part. Too many laws. Omit that part of the uh, drinking and driving. Right, laws. understood. Like, like you, you, somebody stumbles out to their car to get their coat because it's a long walk home, and when they open their car door, they get busted for drunk driving. Right, or even have their opening. keys in their pocket. Um, you know, sleeping in their car, having their keys in uh, in their pocket. I thought the keys had to be in the ignition. Is that not the no, case anymore? Not anymore. Really? Not anymore. Keys oh, can't be in the car. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, I heard of somebody sitting on the hood of his car with the keys in his pocket, uh, busted for drunk driving, sitting on the hood. That's madness. It just keeps oh, yeah. getting more insane. Madness with two Ds, that is. <laughs> yeah. So, Very good, Tom. Uh, what else? Anyway, I just wanted to, to let people know that uh, Senate Bill 17 passed. And see, these students, they didn't need those hate-mongering bigots at Mothers Against Drunk Driving. They went down there, and they did their own lobbying, and they got... The job, uh, at least that far, now it's before the governor. And, uh, you know, my guess is the dude is going to sign it. Well, yeah, how could he be against anything that uh, that punishes drunk drivers? That would certainly be politically unpopular for him to oppose. Yeah. So, uh, well, see, drunk drivers, uh, they're violating our right to safety. See, it's kind of like assaults and threats. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that drunk drivers can be safe. Uh, if they are intending that, if they are going five miles an hour, I don't really see how they could really be unsafe. So I well, think that if uh, if drunk if drunk driving were actually legal, then some drunks would be uh, relatively safe drivers instead but, of having. But to, reckless driving illegal is that what you're saying? Well, I think I think dangerous driving should be uh, should be something that that you know is worth dealing with. 
and whatever the, the reason. Here's the issue. See, when you've been drinking, you still have a choice whether you're going to do stupid stuff or uh, you know pick a fight with somebody mm-hmm. because uh, they don't like uh, Kurt Schilling as much as you do uh, for the uh, Red Sox, or they, they think <laughs> that this one belongs in the Hall of Fame. So you're drunk, so you 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 know you can control still. You still have a choice whether to pick fights or whether to get behind the wheel of a car or do uh, any other crimes, you still have a choice whether to do them. But if you get behind the wheel, you're too clumsy to choose whether you're going to go off the road and into somebody, see, because you're too clumsy. Now, how clumsy is too clumsy is a judgment call. And that's one of the, uh, it's an opinion of degree, which is harder to uh, define than, you know, uh, clear-cut uh, questions like, where do you draw the line? How drunk is too drunk? Well, you don't draw the line back there at the cash register because the person isn't driving. Do you draw the line when they get behind the wheel and put, the, you know, start the car or when they actually start moving the car? Now we're quibbling over islands in the river, not which river. Okay, yeah. so I see where you're coming from. I just, you know, I stand by my position that it's dangerous driving that I have a problem with and not necessarily impaired oh, yeah, driving. Dangerous, and da- dangerous driving, driving too fast is just as bad as driving drunk because, okay, you come over the top of a hill and somebody is pulling out of a driveway up ahead. If you're driving too fast, you can't stop. You can't stop. If you're driving at the speed limit and you're drunk as a skunk, you can't stop. It's the same uh, threat to their safety. There you go, Tom. Thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I think the best advice is that, uh, you know, if if you've had more than a beer or two, don't get behind the wheel. There you go. Let's continue. This one is Dustin on the line in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, yeah, Dustin. Hey, guys. Hi hey. there. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I heard you commenting about the FCC thing. I've been thinking about this for quite a while, and since I kind of work in that uh, arena, I had some thoughts that someone may not have really thought about. Okay, wait. What about the FCC? I'm not sure what what you're referring to. Well, uh, I was listening online. Weren't you talking about the FCC uh, screwing with... With, uh, oh, the television stations? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're mandating that the uh, that the television broadcasters must switch over to uh, to HD coming up in February. You had comments. Hang on, we'll get to you. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. You can bring up whatever it is that's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Again, 800-259-9231. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, again, that's freetalklive.com, and those features include the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. What the hell is an amphibious rotini monster, and who is the anarchy boogeyman? And should you be afraid of him? AnarchyInYourHead.com is a webcomic about the philosophy of freedom in its purest form. Check in every Friday for a new strip and find bonus material throughout the week, all at AnarchyInYourHead.com. That's AnarchyInYourHead.com. 
Facebook.com as we continue with your phone calls. Dustin is on the line in Los Angeles. You're back on Free Talk Live, Dustin. You had mentioned the FCC's mandate uh, to flip all television over to the new uh, high-definition television coming up here on February, which I believe was delayed by something like three years. So they've already put off that uh, that mandated switchover date at least once. What were your thoughts? Right. Well, my business is in the uh, the FM radio arena, and I've been looking online to see if the same thing applies to them. But basically... It doesn't. What? Well, it's not not just referring to the, the time frame, but whether they are mandated to use a specific product. And what I saw happen was it was kind of a competitive industry-wide search to, to come up with what technology will be used for the so-called HD radio. Mm-hmm. And so a deal ended up being made between government and industry to use a specific product. And then that company gets to go and license that technology out to all these stations who must use that product. So it's, it's really a mess. And we're finding that it doesn't work as advertised. And well, the, uh, before you go on, HD radio, as I understand it, is not a mandated thing. There is no... Uh, FCC rule that says radio stations must switch over. There is an FCC rule that says television stations must switch to television in HD, but not the same for radio. And they use it's a lot more bandwidth, uh, television stations do. So well, well, that was, the whole idea was to you know, free up bandwidth, which is all a fraud in itself. But I believe you're mistaken. Um, uh, all the AM and FM stations are, at least we're all under the impression we have to go to HD. And, really? This is oh, news yeah. to me. What's the deadline? Uh, well, it keeps moving back, just like TV. It was, <laughs> I think it's in '09 now. I but, can't uh, imagine. You do, do you, I don't do you realize it. how do you, how many AM stations are just going to go out of business? There's a lot of stations yeah. out there that are that are hanging on with just their fingernails. Exactly. And and, and you know, a, a switch to to a digital is going to it's going to throw them in the crapper. They're well, just not going to be able to recover from it. Well, HD doesn't stand for digital. It stands for hybrid digital, and the, basically, well, it's what all a fraud. Well, what it allows the station to do is to sort of piggyback digital channels on top of an analog channel. Well, if you're talking about FM, it's different for AM. Oh, God. Uh, But it it basically allows you to piggyback additional channels on FM to your main analog channel. At this point, it could go all digital, and then you could just have a bunch of digital channels on one frequency. That's sort of the the general idea of how it works. But I've you know I've been paying attention to HD radio. And I have to say that I've never once seen anything about it being mandated because, I mean, it is going to be an expensive process. From what I understand, the, uh, the whatever the, the transmitters or encoders or whatever it is they need to run the HD systems, I mean, we're talking about like $40,000 for an AM license, just one. Right. Yeah, you've got to get a transmitter. Some antennas have to be changed. Some of the isocouplers, it goes on and on. I, and the other thing that we found here in L.A. is that we're not using the service, and it, it was, you know, touted with, you know, rays of sunshine coming off of it like it was going to be great. Right. Everybody's and, going to have an HD radio in their car, but <laughs> no, right. they're not. It's going to sound better, and it's going to perform just as well, and it doesn't. Right. Uh, to utilize that, first of all, everyone has to have a radio, and they don't. And second, the infrastructure of, of radio facilities has to, you know, we have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to make it happen, and it, it's... And the other point I wanted to get to was... Yeah, and before you go on, I mean, yeah. just so people get an idea about these HD radios, I think that there's probably as many HD radios in your town as there are shortwave. I mean, that shows how many people are out there listening. I think I probably have more HD radios than anyone else here in Keene. I've got two Very of them. Very likely. <laughs> 
what this is going to do is limit who can get on the air. I mean, it's already having that effect. But um, basically, how it affects me is pirate radio could go away. What do you mean? Well, if... if oh, if they mandate receivers switch yes. over to HD? If suddenly, I all receivers are built for HD only. And we fully expect that analog carrier that everyone's listening to right now, that's going to go away. What and now you said 2009 is the deadline on this? I haven't heard anything about this, Dustin. We put HD on the air in what, 04 under extreme pressure to make it happen. Yeah, but there's under only the like 1700 HD stations out there and there are thousands of potential uh stations. So there might be more than you think. Everyone I know of is HD. But I'm in a major metro. Yeah. Well, that's why. But uh I think mom and pops are going to have a, a real tough time making this happen which is probably another reason the deadline keeps getting pushed back. Well, there is there is this agreement between government and industry to use a specific product, and that that's really bugging me. And yeah. this kind of happened back with AM Stereo, which was a failed experiment, Yeah, uh, where a couple companies were trying to, to get their version of stereo out there, and they both got you know left in the ditch, but that's a different story. Yeah, I do understand where you're coming from, and I and I agree. I think it's there. There's something wrong when the government grants a monopoly status to somebody, and that's that is what they've done with the HD technology. There were a couple other competing uh, sort of digital formats that were out there, and they, they you know, they're just not allowed to uh, to be utilized. And yeah. so there's no level of competition. The company that's created the HD radios. It's essentially got a, a lock on that technology, and right. they're the only ones that uh, radio stations can go to, so they can pretty much charge whatever price it is they want to charge. Not only do you have to buy the equipment up front, but you also have to pay them a licensing fee every year, and I have no yeah. idea how much that costs. Oh, it's got to be thousands. I would imagine Again, so. I wish I knew more about the TV side. What I have been told by one of the, the head engineers out here is uh, they didn't take into account the tall buildings and stuff and metros, and when you get... Uh, radio bouncing off of those, especially in TV, you start to get all these signals out of phase, and uh, they weren't counting on that. And so the the effective usable range of this HD TV is not near what they thought it was going to be. Oh, so the HD TV uh, is it is it broadcasting at a lower power? Yeah, well, see, that's another funny thing is we were all we all started out broadcasting it, it was supposed to be this highly efficient signal, and we've cranked it up. Everyone had to crank it up, keep going back to the FCC and saying, well, we need a little bit more juice. And they go, well, okay, here you go. You know, we'll give you permission to broadcast. And and so most of the HD carriers have been cranked up higher, which means all those guys that spec their systems, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear, uh, you know, to get enough power in the first place, now they have to go upgrade that. And uh, and all this really does is it adds cost to the advertisers. I mean, oh, you want to factor all that. You want to factor in. I mean, it wouldn't cost as much for us a, a radio station to upgrade as it would a TV station. But either well, way, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars. All costs. That's all going to get factored in. All costs everywhere go to the consumer. The fact right. is, if you if Gillette advertises on the radio and they have to advertise in order to keep their market share, that's then, a good point. Then um, you know they they, they, they it products costs more go to up. make uh, yeah. their razors, and you know it's 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 likely going to it's going to tend to result in uh, prices going up. Well, Dustin, we'll if, you could, if you could We're find... that uh, stimulus check, you know, from the government. <laughs> hey, Dustin, if you could yeah. find uh, an article that actually references there being a deadline for an HD radio switchover, mm-hmm. I'd love to see it, because I, I still don't believe you on that. I've yeah, never even heard a rumor about that until now. 
post it on the BBS. All right, man. Thanks for that. All I right. appreciate that. And email it to me as well in case I don't see okay. it because there's a lot of stuff on the BBS. And thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. I hope that's not the case because if they have mandated a switch over to HD radio, then that's going to be a mess. Now, HD radio works on AM because my understanding was that HD was for FM only. It's both. It's okay. both. Uh, the HD radio on FM allows for piggyback channels, so you can have like up to three channels on one channel. Whereas it's AM, gonna be a mess, and it could, you know, it could result in a lot of stations just going off the that's air. That's what it sounds like it's going to do if that happens. But I, I, I really question that that's going to be the case. Though it would make sense, right? The big radio conglomerates would like to knock the mom and pops out of business, and if they can do it by, you know, setting setting another unexpected bar uh, where the business is, they didn't, they didn't budget this. They didn't expect they were going to have to bump up to this new HD technology, and that's going to result in them just having to close the door. Or, or sell the station, it could be a real mess. Plus, replacing all the consumer receivers that are out there, that's nuts. That More coming nuts. up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. So if you like Free Talk Live, you want to help support Free Talk Live, get us on more radio stations across the country and also introduce new Internet listeners to the program. Go and become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up there for as little as three bucks a month, and then that money we reinvest it into the show to do the things I mentioned earlier. You can get a list of the things we're doing with the money and get on board all at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. So I was just digging, a, uh, digging around a little bit there during the break to try to verify what Dustin said about uh, the HD mandate, because we uh, HD radio mandate. We were talking earlier about television and how there's this deadline of February 2009 when all regular broadcast signals, t- TV broadcast signals, are ordered by the FCC to halt, and they are only allowed to broadcast in HD at that point. So it's my understanding that one of the reasons for that, I mean, in the the world, the crazy world of the FCC at least, the reason for that is that, as you said, Mark, they're trying to conserve bandwidth, right? They're trying to reduce the bandwidth that the TV stations use because digital takes less bandwidth, a lot less bandwidth than than, uh, old analog television transmissions. And you you have to understand what the FCC is going to do with all that free bandwidth is it's going to auction it. It's going to claim it as its own. Well, it already has. And it's going to say, okay, now that those stations are off the air, we can take this free bandwidth that uh, they used to be using. It's now available. We're going to put it up on the auction block and make, you know, billions of dollars off of it. Uh, Because companies like Motorola and Google and other companies like that will come in and they'll bid to be able to operate their services on that bandwidth. So that's the motivation for the FCC to uh, have that shutoff date. That's that's the reason for it. And the same motivation doesn't exist with uh with FM radio. And to uh to that end or to that point, according to radio or rtoonline.com, uh at least as of recently as 2007, the FCC said it will not set a mandatory conversion date for digital radio broadcasting. Now, 
so that's the latest that I could find online. It doesn't sound like they are going to be forcing radio listeners to switch out their equipment like they are with television viewers. And again, the reason there is that the switch over to digital radio does not really significantly save any bandwidth whatsoever. The digital radio um, system that he was talking about, the HD radio system, it operates in tandem with the analog systems, uh, which really allows for a pretty smooth transition over time in that a station can go on the air, it can add HD to its signal and still have an analog transmission all on the, essentially all on the same frequency. Uh, and I'm being very general about the technology here. But then down the, down the road, if they wanted to, they could turn off the analog and go all digital. So that's in the, you know, that's in the hands of the station to decide. And at this point, the FCC has not mandated any of it. Will that mean that the FCC will continue to not mandate it? I don't know. They can do whatever they want. It's an arbitrary government organization. But from what I can tell as of right now, there is no mandated switchover for radio, which as far as I'm concerned is good news. Well, and for the stations, an advantage to being able to broadcast an analog and the HD is if the HD technology flops, they still have their analog signal. They don't have to. Oh, and let me tell you, it's, fl- it's flopping. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a huge radio fan. I love radio of all you know all types. Uh, and looking at the HD radio thing, it's it's pretty much dead in the water at the moment. Like the the radio industry keeps trying to pump cash into it to try to pump it up and get as many you know deals to where they can get it in Fords and you know as many autos as as possible. But they they just haven't done a real good job. And as Dustin said earlier, the technology isn't the hottest either. If there was competition between the different technologies, <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. You might they, someone that might have had a better idea that actually worked better than the technology currently being used and i'm obviously in over my head on the technical side i just know that if you have three new technologies that are pretty much trying to provide a similar service you know you'll probably find the one that works best and and in the most cost effective way will saturate the market and eventually take the largest market share even if you still have other you know technologies floating around it could be very well that that may or may not be true the one that's marketed best is the one that's going to uh succeed maybe um, the one that is the best will get the most dollars and therefore be marketed best because it has more dollars to be marketed with. But, you know, it, as the case may be, the, the marketplace isn't perfect. It's just significantly better than the government by a, by a large, large margin. True. But if even if you have a slick marketing campaign on, on the worst technology out of, say, a group of three, you still have the option, if you're a savvy consumer, of ignoring the marketing and going with a with you know with a different well, option. Let's look at uh, let's look at Microsoft versus Apple. I mean, um, you know, it, it, the fact is, Apple was uh, at, at the bottom floor there uh, before Microsoft. They failed in the marketing uh, with their marketing apparatus, and and you know they're bouncing back though, aren't they? That much is true. They're getting bigger, but they they have, from what I'm told, a better operating system. I've used it. I'm more familiar with Microsoft. Um, you know, it, it Apple seems a little simple to me. You know, I've I've, I've heard it called as uh, I've heard it called the the Play School operating system. And, <laughs> and there's gonna I, be some Mac uh, users that are very offended by that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm if, sure there'll be PC users who are offended by saying that if if Apple's one can compare system. Apple users to religious zealots, the Linux users are like the Jesuits. I mean, you, the last people you want to mess with are the Linux users. So, um, you know, oh, yeah, they'll hack you. Yeah, they're just <laughs> <laughs> they they just do not. Uh, 
like you uh, talking down to Linux. So anyway. So anyway, you can expect that over time we will follow the saga, the sad, pathetic saga that is HD radio. I still think it's kind of a neat little technology. That's why I've got a couple of them, just because you know I'm a radio geek, and it is cool to to have uh, stations piggyback on one another. And and when I drive and I go to other markets, I like to listen to see what's out there. And I have to say that one of the things that's really good about it, it's got its ups and downs. One of the things that's really good is because it's a digital signal. There's no like there's no noise. There's no none of that FM or AM noise that you can hear under if you turn the radio up loud you enough. Pay attention you can, to it. I you never hear some it. static. If you put like classical music on HD radio, it sounds really nice because the, in the real quiet parts, it's just quiet. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and it's cool to have the the multiple channels, but the problem is the technology is is really it's kind of ancient because the FCC got in the way, and the FCC made it so that this digital technology that they've had over in the UK for years and years and years it's not the same, but they've had digital radio there for a long time. Here it's not been as long. They could have had it in the you know by the mid to late nineties. Instead, it came out in the early aughts. And so there was, you know, like a five to ten year delay, essentially, in this technology. Well, and that's the case with almost every broadcasting technology. The FCC doesn't improve the technology that's available to consumers. No, it just slows it down. It just slows it down and it it narrows the number of choices you actually have in terms of what you listen to on a daily basis, never mind how it's delivered. Right. Probably the best example of that is that uh, the cell phone technology, cell phones that everybody have in their their pockets, you know, uh, currently they didn't really hit big, big I, I remember it being a big deal. They were big in the late 90s, I would say. Yeah, like mid to late 90s. And I remember in 1989, it was a huge deal that a friend of mine's dad carried a cell phone. Now, my mm-hmm. mother carried one for a long time, but she was an engineer for um, the telephone company, so, you know, they gave her one. Yeah. But, um, you know, it didn't hit till the mid to late 90s. Well, that technology was around in the late 60s. We could have had cell phones from the late 60s. Imagine people mm. stop and think. How would that have what changed? would the world be like today? Yeah. If the FCC and the government didn't get in the way of communication technology, where would we be today currently without the government stepping in? And this is just cell phones. Just imagine cell phones and and in, in so many other industries. Well, the Internet likely only took off in the way it did because it wasn't in the early stages being broadcast through the airwaves, so there was no FCC to get in right. the way. Um, but now you with wireless, at, you have the, the FCC has slowed wireless development down, too. Yep. Yep. You can look at uh, many instances of, uh, of uh, different products um, you know, where, the, where the government has slowed it down, but if you want to see what it's like when products aren't slowed down, look at computers, look at the Internet. The Internet... Governments largely uninvolved in the internet and uh, computers. Well, you see lots of advances there, and the government hasn't figured out how to mess with computers much. Thank goodness they've kind of gotten involved in antitrust suits with uh, Microsoft and that kind of thing. But you know, largely they're they're not involved. You know, I've actually got an example of a story that doesn't have anything to do with uh, this side of technology, but it has more to do with the health side of technology. How technology has expanded into the world of healthcare, and at this point, at least in California, the government is stepping in to help protect the doctor monopoly. Mm. We can talk about exactly what's going on there. Plus, in other health-related news, uh, Nick, you've got a story about the Veterans Administration using the uh, the veterans as guinea pigs, which. I mean, it's kind of old news, but it's a new, you know, the new story on how they're using the veterans today. What right, is the it they're doing? Experiment. People yeah. forget. How are they harming these poor, poor guys that are just looking to get some free health care, which is what they were promised. 
800-259-9231. We've got all that and your calls coming up. John, Dave, and Mark all on the line. Ladies, come first. If you make the call, this is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 is coming up. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching an hour two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. We continue with your calls about what you want. Let's talk to John in Kansas on the amp line. Hello, John. Hey, guys. Hey, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Uh, just to clear up something you guys have been talking about, it, like last week involving the impeachment uh, process, mm-hmm. uh, if the impeachment is uh, off- offered by the House, uh, right now it's in committee. Uh, how that works is it's initially introduced by a House representative, uh, in this case Kazinich, which he also offered one on Dick Cheney as well. Okay. And then it goes through the committee process. Once it gets out of there, it then goes before the full House. It's in the committee right now. The House sent it to the committee, didn't they? Right. Okay. Everything, first it has to come, once it's introduced to the actual House, it has to go into a committee, otherwise they can't just vote it out. Uh Uh-huh. And then what? And then it would then go to the Senate, and they would need a two-thirds majority. So is there any, like, is this likely to go through? It doesn't seem like it to me. Uh. There's a possibility. Uh, I wouldn't say it's likely, though. Wouldn't put any money on it. But even if the Senate passes the impeachment, then what? Then nothing happens, right? I mean, then they can... If the the Senate passes it by the two-thirds, it would actually be a trial in which the uh, Supreme Court, uh, Chief Supreme Court Justice uh, Roberts would have to preside. Uh, He would then be thrown out of office because he would then be convicted of the crimes. I thought that would sound very likely to me. Yeah, I thought that there was a separate step. I thought that the impeachment process, once the impeachment was finished, then they had the option to go to some sort of trial. But it didn't. I never understood that if you impeach, then it has to go to trial. Uh, Right. It would be the Senate that would actually handle the trial part. So the Senate would have to pass the impeachment and then go. The the House passes the impeachment and then. It goes to the Senate in the form of an actual trial trial. The, yeah, the, the Senate is the jury of the president's peers. But what, what, what's how, uh, how Chief how Judge Ro- Roberts doing? What is Roberts Chief... would essentially just act as the actual judge. He'd preside over it. Right. And he, isn't he George Bush's buddy? 
Yes, he was. He's a, yeah. he's a nominee. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, uh, if if Cheney and uh, George, I want to pick my jury. Do uh, manage to uh, your judge at least. Yeah. Um, if Cheney and Bush do manage to uh, get get themselves impeached and have a trial in front of the Senate here, which sounds ludicrous, and I don't see any point in it, um, who would be the president? Pelosi, if they are both convicted. Pelosi. Yes. Yeah. Well, this that'll that'll unlikely. fix everything. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, all of it is really just symbolic. I mean, you're right, Mark, it's probably never going to actually happen to where the president ends up getting brought up on charges. Because didn't they impeach Clinton? Yeah. And uh, yes. They didn't kick him out of office. So even if they impeach Bush, it doesn't mean they're going to go through with the trial uh, part. That's up to I the I think Senate. they're going to impeach every president that gets two terms from here on out. And pretty much every president, uh, pretty much every president's had two terms since I've been alive. Carter, what makes you say that? What makes me say that? Well, yeah. Carter and uh, uh, you know Carter's really the only exception. Bush is essentially the third year of uh, the third term of the Reagan presidency. But what makes you think they're going to impeach all those guys? Because because that's how politics has gotten. I see. And they do generally break a lot of laws while they're in office, so there's no shortage of things you could actually impeach them on. Generally, the executive branch breaks a, a large number of, of laws, whether it's Democrats or Republicans. John, I want to thank you for the input and the uh, the expertise on that, and thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. We talked to Dave in Athens, listening on WAIS. Hello, Dave. Dave in Athens, going once. Dave. Hello, I hear something. Maybe hear not. Hey, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, you're on the air. What's okay. on your mind? I have this question. I'm trying to get this job. Okay. I'm going through the government, and they ask me to bring my psychological reports, and it says, I read it, consumer client has denied that he's ever been in a padded cell or a padded room, meaning mental health center. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why do they ask? Do they get extra money for that? I don't, it'd be difficult to say. Maybe they just want to, um, you know, know who, with whom they're dealing. Yeah. I don't know. Why didn't they ask me, have I ever been held hostage by a man with a gun and a badge? Have that you? I can answer, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they don't want to know that information. Huh? Well, you know, you're dealing with the government and... Uh, they Are you get, trying to get a government get, job? No. No? No, he's just trying to, um, you know, they, they offer help uh, with people with disabilities, that kind of thing. All right, Dave. Thanks okay, for the call today. What, Dave, huh? what? Just out of curiosity, Dave, um, Walmart and, uh, offers uh, offers jobs to people with disabilities, don't do they not? Yes. Have you talked to them? I'm going to. I should. Yes. Yeah, because I mean that way you won't have to deal with the government asking you a bunch of invasive questions and, and that kind of thing. All right. Good point. I'll give you an update. They sometime. seem really nice there. Thanks for the okay. suggestion, Mark, and thank right. you, Dave. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It always warms my heart when Walmart's got, you know, uh, essentially a retard, uh, retard, you know, shaking hands and stuff at the, the front door. <laughs> you, you should say a, a mentally challenged individual. Yeah. Uh, I think they do get money for that or tax breaks, by the way. Do they? Yeah, I believe they, they probably ask do. for employment. They ask if you're receiving Social Security benefits. I mean, that's... It beats the yeah. hell out of uh, them not having... You know, at the, at the very, very least, a man should have a job. Um, it, it, it gives them, you know, it, it gives them purpose in their life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I understand why Walmart would take whatever subsidies they could get. I don't I, think they're subsidies. I think it just reduces their tax that's liability. That's what I mean. So... That's pretty. That's, that, that seems okay. Let's continue with Mark in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. Hey guys, I'm calling because uh, Ian, I, I've heard you express some disappointment about uh, what happened at Porkfest with the negotiation with the uh, licensing fee, right? 
Yeah, the uh, the organizers of the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival this year, uh, they did bow down to the state, uh, to the, actually it was the town of Guilford bureaucrats that came around and threatened, you know, they threatened them, they demanded money from them, and they did pay out, which I thought was unfortunate. I thought it was a mistake, considering there were hundreds of activists around who no doubt would have been uh, more than happy to mobilize on any issue that came up, but instead they bowed down, they paid the extraction. Activism with beer is a bad idea. That was that. Your point, sir? Well, uh, I've been trying to study how civil disobedience is supposed to work, and from what I've understood so far, negotiation is okay. So long as you are coming from a clear position of, we don't accept your authority, but we're on, the, on a practical end, we're going to negotiate with you. That way, if they go back to them next year, or what my suggestion would be for if they chose that same site next year, mm-hmm. don't ask for the permission that next year, but if they do come around again, you can say, hey, remember us, uh, we were able to negotiate last year, maybe we can negotiate again for a lower licensing fee, and it sort of sets a precedent that results in the withdrawal of authority instead of us bowing down to authority. I don't know. If you're negotiating, you're still you're just trying to get them to uh, you know, reduce their price. They still extract money from you, and they've given you nothing in return. So it's well, like it's like begging the, the robber to go. Non-negotiable. It's like begging a so, you know a robber to leave a hundred dollars in your wallet so you can get a cab home. What's wrong with that? If you don't, that may be the if, case. If, if you don't negotiate with the robber, then you just get a bullet in the head. I understand. The people at Porkfest were not going to get bullets in their head, Mark. That's the difference. What, what do you think would happen if they didn't get the uh, didn't did not take? They'd the, back uh, the, the hell down, is what would happen. That's they what you, you expect. The Guilford Police Department couldn't even have enough police to come in there and shut the the fun tent you down. You don't know. You know, maybe, maybe the robber will be willing to shoot you. Maybe the robber won't be willing to shoot you. You just don't know. If if it becomes adversarial, that completely defeats the purpose of nonviolent disobedience. Uh, it's a delicate balance. You want to sort of balance between respecting them as individuals and not respecting their authority. I agree with that. You have to respect the individual because once you... The purpose of disobedience is to disobey, not to negotiate. But, well, once you start the name-calling and, and uh, you know, the person gets emotionally entrenched, you've defeated yourself. I wouldn't yourself. call them names. I'd just say, no, we're not going to pay you. Yep. Who are you anyway? That and you how, know who the hell they are. No, I don't. don't You're a stranger. Silly. You know who they You're are. You're a stranger to me. I don't know no, who you are. The, the, the badge Demanding care, money from me. You know what You know what their position is. Oh, I've got their a badge, position, too. Here you go. Their position is that of, uh, you know, legalized robber. And yeah. you've heard of this legalized robber right. before. All I'm saying is, if the people at Porkfest had just said, no, we're not going, we didn't pay you last year, and we're not going to pay you this year, then we would have seen what would have happened next. But, I, have, but that's not the Free State Project's purpose. I know. I'm not in charge of the Free State Project, so all I can do is critique them. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. You can bring up anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. The 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system. You can get interactive with over 350,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, from serious issues to fun stuff. And you'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Are you remodeling your kitchen or bathroom like I am? Well, now you can purchase knobs, pulls, faucets, and more, all at wholesale prices, and support a business that supports Free Talk Live. Internobs.com. You can save 10% on your order by using code FTL at checkout. That's internobs.com. I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. It's friendly service and wholesale prices for knobs, poles, faucets, and more. Internobs.com. So we were talking earlier in the show tonight, I think in the first hour, about how uh, certain industries have been hindered by the federal government and governments at state and local levels as well, but specifically the federal government. They're the most, I would say, meddlesome in uh, in many industries' cases. And, of course, we were talking about our very own radio industry, uh, but that's certainly not where the meddling ends. In fact, uh, this one's actually about California. The story's from Wired, Wired.com, reporting, Is reading someone's genetic code the same thing as practicing medicine? That issue has always loomed over the nascent direct consumer genetic testing industry, which includes such well-known names as 23andMe, Navigenics, and DecodeMe. Never heard being, of any of them. Yeah, I wonder if they're being facetious there, because I've never heard of them either. But- It's become very real now, or I guess sarcastic, it's become very real now that California public health officials have ordered 13 online companies to immediately stop offering their services in that state. The companies offer genetic tests that look for DNA mutations associated with a higher risk of developing heart trouble, dementia, or other maladies. Some critics have said the science behind some of these tests is relatively new and may be incomplete. Others say the tests are dangerous. Because so you could be warned ahead of time falsely that you have a heart uh, condition? Or could possibly have a heart dis- condition? I guess that's I what mean, they're going to what's at. the worst thing that could happen here? Somebody decides not to, to climb diet? a mountain? Yeah, change their diet or oh, something? My, yeah, they're eating more fruits and vegetables. Others say the tests are dangerous because they can identify risk factors for some conditions that have no treatment, such as Alzheimer's disease. And that's dangerous? They're, they're, they're working on uh, treatments for Alzheimer's, and just because uh, the treatments may not be entirely recognized by the AMA doesn't mean that there's not well, treatment. And even without treatments, shouldn't you be able to prepare yourself for the fact that as you get older, you're likely to that's have dangerous? Alzheimer's? Yeah, what's, that's dangerous? The California Department of Public Health contends the services violate medical testing rules that require a physician's involvement and proof that tests produce a valid medical result. The real issue, however, may be as much about turf and how society will react to this new technology as patient safety. Companies offering the tests have made a point of sidestepping doctors, insisting that consumers have a right to know the information coded in their genes. They also have said that the results they deliver are informational and not diagnostic. Bypassing traditional medical outlets is an important issue for these companies since much of the medical establishment hasn't yet embraced widespread genetic testing. Traditional health care providers tend to be skeptical of the usefulness of the results. So what's going on here is these genetic skeptical testing... Skeptical because they don't know. Right. These genetic testing companies, whoever it is that's got... Somebody has invested in these companies. Somebody has put some money at risk to say, 
I want to make it so the average consumer can come to us and have their DNA checked for various indicators. Uh, or maybe it could be something like uh, some of our co-hosts in the past, Mark, actually went and they had their DNA analyzed to where they could see what their genetic makeup was. They right. could see uh, one of our other co-hosts was like 2% black or something. Yeah, yeah I think it was 2.5% black. And so that could could also be uh, you know a category of what these genetic companies are doing. Anyway, they're, they're companies that are essentially out on the fringes right now. They're trying to, to make a name for themselves. They're trying to get a foothold in the the medical marketplace and in the the process of doing all that they've they've avoided bringing doctors in because it's probably just going to increase their costs and if you've got to bring a doctor in to consult every time you test somebody then who knows expensive who knows what that's going to do to uh you know to uh, as far as ballooning their costs are concerned doctors aren't cheap and so they have managed to build successful at least Relatively successful businesses, as I can understand it, there are 13 of them. Somebody's making money, right? Or at least somebody's doing. They're satisfying their customers. It, if they're it, not making money. They yet. should be able to pass or fail. Um, you know, in the inside the marketplace, they don't need. Uh, you know, they, they, the doctors don't need to be using their AMA protection racket in order to shut these companies down. It's, it's well, wrong. they must be doing something right then, right? I mean, if 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 the doctors are going after them, at they this have point, the right. To fail, though, that's all yeah. I'm saying. I don't know whether the companies are, fa- are are you know making it or not. But they must be Seems doing. Like they are. But if they weren't doing anything that was in any way detrimental to the doctor's business, then the doctors would be leaving them alone, right? Sure. So if why they are they selling, going after them? If they were selling paint jobs for your car, yeah. the doctors wouldn't have anything to say. So essentially, what's happening is they become popular well, enough to where the doctors are saying, "Whoa, we need to get a piece of this action," and now their agents at the state government are stepping in and saying, "Okay, you either bring a doctor on board, or you can't do business in California." They're probably more popular because they do it in a more cost-effective way. That would be my right. guess because when you have something like the AMA or any trade group that has essentially a monopoly on doing certain, you know, whatever services they are, performing certain services, you're going to see prices are fixed quite a bit higher because only people who belong to this association can do it. So there's kind of a handshake deal that we're going to set the bottom of the market at this price. And, you you know, they might be free to do services pro bono or cheap, but generally everybody's going to, you know, create a price floor. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether they, um, in fact, create a price floor or whether it, they're just reducing uh, supply of doctors, therefore, and the demand, of course, is where the demand is. So, therefore, the prices are increased. If you reduce supply, demand remains the same. Supply is definitely reduced on doctors. Prices increased. Yeah, right, because... because because you can't go and have certain things done that are mandated by the law in whatever state you're in that only doctors can do. Even sure. though a nurse can do those things, she's legally prohibited from performing those operations, right. and you have to have the doctor do them. It's I mean, a scam. You know, if if you just if you have a uh, you know a bacterial infection in your lungs, all you need is a you know some uh, penicillin or whatever amoxicillin or whatever the mm-hmm. um, the generic thing is for amoxicillin. Um, you don't necessarily need a doctor for that, or um, the you know, the case of giving stitches. I believe the physician's assistants can give stitches, but a doctor has to be on site. Well, what's the point of that? According to the, I've given stitches before. According to the Wired article, that skepticism would not bode well for a business model that depends on them to be the gatekeepers for ordering these tests. Requiring a doctor's approval also seems overly paternalistic to many believers of the Web 2.0 ethos of free access to personal information. In the past, the state public health department has laid out five criteria for direct-to-consumer genetic testing companies. Is there a California licensed physician involved? So that's one layer of protection there. Are tests being authorized? 
authorized by a California licensed physician. Does testing include pre- and post-test counseling? Are tests being conducted at a CLIA certified, which is federally approved, laboratory? So that's another layer of protection. And are the tests validated? The answers to these questions vary by company, and some of the questions are being debated as to exactly what they mean. All three of the biggest providers conduct their tests in labs that have been federally certified but don't offer counseling. One says it does use doctors to process orders. The question of what is meant by a validated test is also open to debate. The tests are all valid in that they provide accurate information about one's genetic makeup. That is, whether one has a particular base at a particular spot in their genetic code. But most of the tests have not yet been through rigorous testing with human trials to confirm their accuracy and validity as predictors of risk factors for disease. You know, these guys are just lucky the FDA hasn't stepped in here yet and said, Whoa, you That's can't be step. testing people's genetics without having a 19-year approval process to go through first. Please, government, stay out of this genetic stuff. More coming up, Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, Again, freetalklive.com. Features including updates. Get signed up, and we keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. So, uh, let's see here. Coming up, we've still got to talk about this VA story, and uh, we will certainly get to that in moments. But first, tell you about LegalZoom.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Well, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that can wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They can do all sorts of legal documents like patents, wills, and trademarks. Use the code FTL to save $10 off your order. That's LegalZoom.com. So, Nick, you brought in a story about the VA, and it's the same old story, just with different drugs this time. What's going on? Uh, Well, this from ABC News. Mentally distressed veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan are being recruited for government tests on pharmaceutical drugs linked to suicide and other violent side effects. Uh, In one of the human experiments involving the anti-smoking drug Chantix, veteran administration doctors waited more than three months before warning veterans about the possible serious side effects, including suicide and neuropsychiatric behavior. Wow. Uh, Lab rat, guinea pig, disposable hero, said former U.S. Army sniper James Elliott in describing how he felt he was betrayed by the Veterans Administration. Elliot, 38, of suburban Washington, D.C., was recruited at $30 a month for the Chantix anti-smoking study. Three years after being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, he had served a 15-month tour of duty in Iraq from 2003 to 2004. Um, they, they said he, they never told me that I was going to be suicidal, uh, that I would see sleeping. They never told me anything except that it will help me quit smoking. And this, that's, hmm. you know, so obviously they didn't really tell him too much, just this is an anti-smoking drug trial. We'll pay you basically a dollar a day to take this pill and... It'll help you try to quit. Well, yeah, no, you know, I can see how a guy would jump on the, that opportunity. He would say to himself, oh, well, I smoke. It'd be good to get paid to quit. No one else is going to give me that offer. I'll take it. All right. Let me play devil's advocate here for a moment. Uh, 
shouldn't it be the responsibility of the consumer to caveat emptor, buyer beware, and say, well, wait a minute, what are the side effects of this drug? I mean, it's a drug, right? It, aren't most people aware that drugs could have side effects? Wouldn't it be in your best interest to try to cover those bases before you decide to take these things? Because it, it doesn't sound to me like they're forcing these people to do this. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't. That It'd be one aren't. thing if they were, like, slipping them the drugs and using them as guinea pigs without their consent. But this is a drug in the experimental stage. He is a he is a test subject in the human testing phase of the drug. So because so of that, they should be informing? Is that well, what you're well, saying? The, the, yeah, the side effects. It's not like you can just go to the website and look up, you know. It's a conflict of interest. The The Veterans Administration is, uh, you know, put in place nominally, or at least uh, what people would understand, as an organization to protect veterans, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, you know, service veterans, to do the right thing by veterans. For them to... Uh, to be testing drugs on veterans that might result in you know bad things is bad you know that's just wrong They're, okay the testing should be done by organizations that aren't put you know that that don't you know step forward and say we are here to protect you i see where you're coming from i don't know i mean they they're consenting mark so I understand That's, they're consenting, but they're, um, you know, you, in, in the same way that you put your faith in, say, Consumer Reports. Mm-hmm. Consumer Reports' stated purpose, or at least uh, what my understanding is, so you're saying is the to veterans protect have, you. They put their faith in the VA that they would take care of them, and they're Correct. not well, really being as Correct. upfront the as v- they could the be. The VA is an organization that is, you know, the, the, the people that the people could could believe. I don't believe this for a second, but... You know that that's out there to protect and serve and and do things for the veterans. Now, well, the, the article goes on because the issue is not necessarily that they, you know, offered to to use uh, U.S. Army soldiers as you know test subjects on this particular drug. The issue is kind of how they can they carried on after they found out there were some problems. Oh, okay. Um, Cover up time, huh? Right. And uh, on the night of February 5th, after consuming a few beers, Elliot says he snapped and then left his home with a loaded gun. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> the, so this was months after he began taking Did they tell the him drug. you weren't supposed to mix alcohol with it, too? Uh, I, I, I actually don't. I Who don't knows? know if, that, if you're I'm speculating. Or not. Uh, but so basically, at months into taking the drug, he w- the breakdown he was experiencing was a relapse into combat nightmares he, uh, from Iraq that he blames on Chantix. Yikes. Uh, his fiance, his fiance Tammy, called police and warned he's extremely unstable. He has PTSD. The 911 dispatcher asked, "Do you think uh, that he's going to att- shoot or attack the police?" And she says, "I can't be certain. I don't know." Um, and, that isn't going to go well. Right. What ended up happening is uh, the police did arrive, and Elliot was uh, standing in the street in front of his home with a gun in his front pocket. He yelled at the police, "Are you going to shoot me? Shoot me!" Uh, which is obviously suicidal behavior <laughs> and psychotic behavior. Uh, he didn't get shot. Police used a taser gun to stun Elliot and then placed him under arrest. Thank God. Um, it wasn't until three weeks later that the Veterans Administration advised uh, veterans in the study uh, that the drug may cause serious side effects, including anxiety, nervousness, tension, depression, thoughts of suicide, and attempted suicide and completed suicide. Wow. I don't mention standing in the middle of the gun with uh, middle of the street with a gun in your pocket, threatening the police. Uh, that would probably be under attempted suicide. <laughs> um, but the VA's letter to veterans, which was sent out on February 29th of this year, uh, followed three warnings from the FDA. So the FDA had issued warnings, and if people had been doing their homework, they probably could have found that out uh, about the drug. 
And uh, Pfizer had also issued warnings about the drug, and they were issued on November 20th of 2007 and January 18th of this year. So, you know, the warnings were out there, but it wasn't really passed on to the participants of the study Mm -hmm. until well after this incident. Um, And the study was continued. Uh, how this study is con- how this study continued in the face of these difficulties is almost impossible to understand," said Arthur Kaplan, director of the Center for Bioethics at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, doctors at the Veterans Administration say they acted as quickly as they could, being the Veterans Administration and government in general. Be, they, being bureaucrats. Right. They probably did. They, they said that uh, this didn't justify an emergency warning at that level. That from Dr. Miles McFall, who is co-administrator of the VA study. Uh, McFall said there's no proof that Elliot's breakdown was caused by Chantix and sees no reason to discontinue the study. Someone <laughs> right, well, just because just, just one veteran goes crazy, I agree with him on that. Well, that's true, but... What I don't think they should be administering these uh, tests at all. These uh, to veterans? Th- these trial things at all. No. Not, not to anybody or just not, not to, to veterans? Not to anyone. Well, no, no. The oh, Veterans Administration, they being the Veterans Administration, should not be okay. administering these trials to veterans. Because right. they're already, um, because they already they, have a predilection to be unstable? No, because they have they are an organization whose stated purpose I is see. to protect and serve veterans. And, you know, that is contrary. Well, they're serving them with well, an opportunity to get 30 bucks a month and some free pills. And, and clearly to, uh, <laughs> you know, throw their lives away and, uh, you know, an arm shootout with the cops. But what does the VA care? You have to remember their incentive, Mark, is to have veterans die. They don't want the veterans to stay alive. I understand what their incentive is. I'm, I'm just saying that because that is what their uh, stated purpose is, they shouldn't. Right. Look, if Walmart came out and said, we will not, serve, we will not give you any uh, prescription drugs, uh, you know, we will do our best to uh, limit prescription drugs that may have, uh, you know, serious side effects that we give you. If they came out and made a statement like that, would you hold them to that if, you know, suddenly, uh, you know, your, your, your heart medication gave you a stroke? Yes, you would hold them I, because I they had a stated from. purpose. Whereas they just sell drugs and they say, look, we sell the drugs. You need to research them. Mm-hmm. The Veterans Administration, their 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 place in that what they where they place place themselves is higher than that. Right, and remember this is a testing phase. It's not like an over the counter type phase. Right, um, and some 140 veterans diagnosed with post traumatic stress disorder continue to re- receive Chantix as part of the smoking cessation Yikes. study. Yeah, it wouldn't seem that you'd want to cross those two. Right, you you'd think they'd be a little bit more careful, but they again they don't care. They're not interested in keeping veterans alive. That's just public relations. The whole idea about... I don't know whether they're interested in it or not. They're not incentivized. Well, individual doctors, I'm sure, do yeah. feel an Some of the individual doctors do, but I'll tell you, there have been veterans who've told me they believe their VA doctors are trying to kill them. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support the show, then go shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is that you're buying in over 41 categories to shop, there are also free Super Saver shipping deals on a whole bunch of items. So go and load up your shopping cart if you enter through amazon.freetalklive.com. 
Free Talk Live will get a percentage. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Coming up, a disturbing story about how the lines between politics and the press are blurring evermore. We'll get to that here in moments. But first, we go to Sam in Texas on the amp line. Hello, Sam. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I Well, Whitney called and talked a little bit about my trip home yesterday. Uh, and I was able to make it through, so I thought I'd give you fill you guys in on some of the details. We're talking about the uh, the, the new TSA policies that are in effect. Uh, they are supposed to go in effect on the 21st, but we've heard they're in effect at other airports like D.C. early. Uh, what is it that you experience? Because they're now, uh, according to the new policies, on the 21st, airports around the country will no longer be allowing people to fly who refuse to show identification. If one does claim that one does not have one's identification in that you've lost it or left it at home or you don't know where it is, then they will allow you to fly, but you will have to go through a rigorous process, which could include anything they want to do to you and it, it would all depend on how i guess how you treat them or your attitude uh they could you know they could interrogate you they could strip search you who knows how far they'll go but it has to be if 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 the idea is lost or misplaced right if, if you it, just say you won't show it they right. won't let you if on. you're just a curly-headed recalcitrant and you just won't show them <laughs> no so what happened sam so i got to the airport uh checked in i took kind of the middle ground this time and said um I don't have any ID to show, and uh, she asked, you know, you don't know where it is, or, you know, did you lose it? And I'm like, oh, I said I don't know where it is, because I did have my friend put it somewhere in my luggage, but I, it was that, you know, that was a factually true statement. Yeah, I didn't you know didn't know. Um, so uh, they, she marked it up with a whole bunch of red, you know, put the four S's on, mm-hmm. sent me on my way. Uh, when we got down to the TSA checkpoint, First thing off the bat, I noticed they're in these new uniforms. The old ones used to be white um, with a nice little iron-on badge on the chest. Right, short and now sleeves. They, now they've gone to the darker, it's, it's a light blue, but hmm. certainly darker from white. And you've covered stories on how, you know, the white uniforms are seen as nice and polite. And the darker in color you get, the more aggressive and authoritarian. Yeah, that's true. That's an interesting become. observation. How long will it be before they go to navy blue and then to black? Yeah, and then, you know, they also have those nice, big, shiny badges. They put the little things on the sleeve with the different colors on them. So right, they, so you said that she said when she'd called that they have real badges now, not just iron, iron-on badges or, right. or sewn badges. They've got actual metallic badges now, right? Yeah, so I walked up, and that was the first thing I said to him. I was like, hey, you guys got new <laughs> uniforms. What happened to the old iron-on badges? When did you get these new ones? <laughs> Making friends already. (laughs) There were three of them there, and one of them off to the right said, yesterday, kind of (laughs) defeated and (laughs) took the fun out of it for him. But anyway, so they asked for my – I gave them a boarding pass. They asked for my ID. I said, I don't have any ID to show. He goes, did you lose it? I said, I don't have any ID to show. And he goes, oh, you're going to fly anonymously. I said, apparently. Uh And uh, (laughs) he, he put a black X. Uh-oh. Or a black line through the other side of the red X's to make it into an X. I don't know if that made sense. But anyway, there's all kinds of markings all over. This This is like the, the most marked up boarding pass I've ever seen. Okay. And uh, he sent me over to the super secret special search line mm-hmm. where you have this hallway that is uh, lined in glass now with a door at the end. So I went through 
the lady saw my boarding pass, put me into this hallway. Now, there was one guy in front of me. It's open air on the top. Um, so they've constructed this hallway in the actual uh, the screening area. This, would you say the hallway was not there a month or two ago? Well, I think that one's been there for a while, but most airports don't have these. Okay. Uh, usually it's just like the, the ropes with the floor pillars that, that kind of tie connect together. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about there. Well, ropes with the uh, floor the, the pillars? Line dividers with the straps. Oh, okay, that, yeah. They, I don't the, know how to, what those are called. The, like, where they make paths for people to walk in. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. The so branding shoot. I, I get in this hallway, and they're, you know, they're not doing anything for a couple minutes. There's a guy in front of me. I'm like, is that door locked? And he looks at me like, I am not going to find out. So I reach past him and start shaking the handle, and I'm like, is this door locked? And I'm yelling that over the the wall, and I said, are we being detained? Am I under arrest? <laughs> and the guy came over, and he's opened the door, and he's like, uh, uh, no. And I just kept hitting him with questions uh, before he could even answer them. And he, every now and then he would spit out like a no, no, no. <laughs> and then eventually, just to my right was this teenager, and he heard the whole thing, and he was looking at me like, oh, my God, they're going to arrest this guy and drag him off for just going through the yeah. checkpoint. <laughs> <laughs> he looked just horrified, like he couldn't believe what was going on. Yeah, people are scared, you know. What was the result? Yeah. Well, he uh, eventually, you know, I told him, I'm just giving you a hard time, and he kind of smiled and laughed. And we talked, uh, you know, about the Fourth Amendment and so forth while he was searching through my bags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice conversation. I had my camera running, so I actually filmed all this. Really? Uh, I, yeah. I'm shocked you're getting away with that. Yeah, I, I didn't know, you know, you weren't supposed to. So next time, Mark, I'm going to fill out a bunch of forms and make sure I get their permission. Yeah, to, no, no, hold on. <laughs> I, I'm with you, but how in the world do you have a, even, even have a camera there? Well, They take I, everything I, out of my pockets. I carry it in my hand. Uh, so when you're a, a quad S, now this was not at the metal detector in the okay. hallway, but this was afterwards when they took my bags over to swab test everything. Mm. So I had that on recording, which was our conversation and so forth. It was pretty interesting. But, you know, if you think about it, here's how it's going to go. If, if we do nothing, th- this hallway right now is clear glass. Later they'll upgrade to, like, frosted glass and yep. move the other ones out to the to the older airports, and then it'll be... Uh, Bars Black, before you know it. You know, yeah, exactly. And they're, of course, going to have to expand the room because they're going to start sending more people into this queue. You know, you go yeah. and wear a shirt that they don't like. Oh, you need to go in that line, sir. Right. They're already not allowing you to fly anonymously. You're not, they're not allowing you to say, I'm not going to show my ID. Well, the next step is, I don't consent to your uh, search T-shirt. Whoa, whoa, what is that? Or whatever, yeah. some Islamic words written on a T-shirt, or whatever the reason is. Whatever th- they find offensive, and it's just going to, that list is just going to get bigger and bigger as they become more oppressive uh, and tyrannical. You know, and, and pretty soon people will have to say, well, if you don't want to get naked and be probed in your butt, then what do you got to hide? Yeah. <laughs> well, so it looks like they haven't put those rules in place, or they've... Stopped uh, that process at D.C. because I was able to fly out of there without ID. It's supposed to start um, on the 21st of this month, as I recall. So Yeah, so I have another trip to Atlanta. I'll find out then. When's that happening? Uh, it's not planned yet, but it's should okay, be after the, the 21st. After so. the 21st, then. Very good, yep. Sam. Let us know. Anything else on your mind? 
That's it. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Pretty disturbing well, it's, stuff. It's the 17th now. Pretty much any business trip is going to result, at least on the return flight, um, you know, being uh, after the 21st. You know, it could be that they stopped the process, or it could be that they're just inept. The TSA. Right. <laughs> they don't even know what the, they, they they, don't want the rules right, are. Right. I mean, they, they do miss a lot of guns and knives and bombs. It's possible that they don't necessarily know exactly what they're doing. And the implementation of any rules, and this includes laws, it's always arbitrary because the person doesn't necessarily know what the policy of the company or the, the law is. However, when it comes to the law, you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with something much more serious because you're dealing with people's rights. They don't have an option. It's pretty disturbing what's going on here, and just looking at it all, uh, especially the the thing about the uniforms changing, becoming more police-like than they ever have uh, in the past, that's pretty disturbing, and the uniforms becoming darker, that's probably going to continue in that trend, because they're, they're trying to get people to take them more seriously, I guess, right? That's why they've changed the uniform. Well, that's why they have a shiny badge now instead of an iron-on badge. They're trying to, you know, they They, they don't are, like getting called rent-a-cops. Right, right. And then that's what they looked like before. They looked like mall security. And so now they're going to look more like the cops. And so people will be less likely. That's why that kid probably looked so scared was because he probably perceived that, hey, the intensity level here has cranked up a bit. That these people are scarier now than they were before. I mean, the TSA were pretty surly and rude before, but now they're going to have the the you know the new uniform and the new badge, the new metallic badge to boost up their authority level. Right? They'll feel they'll feel more confident about the job that they're doing, and that is of course that is of course tyrannizing the uh, poor innocent folks that are coming through that are all going to bend over and do whatever it is that is demanded of them as the absurd rules become more absurd and more tyrannical. When will it all end? More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. All terms used to describe Dan Carlin earlier in his career. The Angry Young Wolf. You deny others their freedom and they're going to deny you yours. Mussolini on the veranda. I'm a longtime proponent, ladies and gentlemen, that fighting war should be a pain in the ass. A big windbag who just likes to hear himself talk. Let's hook that area on American culture and give those fanatics something to really deal with. You think you're tough? Take on Britney Spears. You think you're tough? Take on MTV. It's Common Sense with Dan Carlin. Get the MP3 or podcast at iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number three of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We'll maybe get to a couple emails here in a moment, but first, your calls about what you want. It's Brett in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brett. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, uh, you know, it seems like libertarian uh, rhetoric and libertarian, uh, you know, literature and whatnot is rife with comparisons between the United States dollar and monopoly dollars, and I really don't think that's very fair. To monopoly? <laughs> yeah, actually. Okay. How so? <laughs> well, uh, you know, a monopoly game's had the exact same amount of money in it since 1936 when the game was invented, right? <laughs> And yeah. uh, since that time, you know, I mean, what did a game of Monopoly cost in 1936? Like a nickel, maybe? Maybe a dime? Couldn't have been that know? much. 
And now you can pay upwards of 35 40 bucks for a game of Monopoly. So really, it turns out the Monopoly dollar is considerably better than the United States dollar. In fact, the United States dollar is losing value hand over fist in comparison to the Monopoly dollar. Yeah, that's dollar. an excellent observation that the Monopoly dollar still buys exactly what it bought when it first came out decades yep. ago. It's still it you can still the, buy you know spend as exactly the same amount and for, the exchange rate is getting better for Baltic Avenue yeah. yeah yeah well and if you were to want to exchange your yeah as Mark was saying if you want to exchange your U S dollars for Monopoly dollars the U S dollar is actually losing horribly against the Monopoly dollar a- and against I mean, the properties how, how long will it be before a Monopoly dollar is worth more than a U S dollar what <laughs> ten years maybe I I, I don't know how you would compare the, uh, worth more? I don't know what uh, you know bar you would compare them by, but uh, you know it's clear that uh, you know using the comparisons you said, a nickel versus forty dollars for a Monopoly game now, Baltic Avenue costs that much more in real dollars. Yeah. So mm. the properties exactly. in Monopoly are are continuing to rise against the dollar too. The dollar's losing value everywhere. Interesting. Yep. Great observation. Anything else on your Crappy mind tonight? currency. No, that was everything. Thanks, Brad. Very cool. Very creative. Appreciate it. It's significantly better than uh, many of the world currencies. For instance, the Zimbabwe dollar or whatever they call it. They're having trouble. That that, that awful thing over there um, is, you know, they're they're printing so many of them that they're having hyperinflation. But yeah, you need billions of compared against real money um, and what the dollar, what what an actual uh, legal definition of what a dollar is is a certain amount of silver compared to get uh, against gold and silver, which are the currencies throughout history. The dollar's crappy, crappy currency. Oh yeah, it's in it's in big trouble, and anybody who holds a whole lot of dollars would be wise to turn it into something else—precious uh, metals, or a house, or anything else. Commodities, stocks. Yeah, I don't know. You know how I'm those no are going investment right manager. Please, so you know. Right. What you might want to do is actually, you know, I read uh, Harry Bo- Harry Brown's excellent book, Failsafe Investing, a few years ago, and I really need to pick it up again now that I've actually. Uh, you know, I'm going to be moving in the direction of needing to invest a little bit more. Uh, but he does a really great job in, I think, less than 100 pages of laying out a really sensible investment portfolio that isn't confusing. Because I'm no monetary expert or anything like that, and I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. Harry Brown really makes it easy to understand. It's a great book. It's called Failsafe Investing. It's available, I believe, in ebook form at harrybrown.org, and you can probably still find it in print somewhere. You know, and, and, uh, uh Good advice. I don't know if um, Harry's is or not, but good advice in this area is, um, you know, it's it's valuable because the, otherwise you're employing professionals to handle your money. Harry's advice is excellent. In in short, it basically points out the I think it's three or four different areas you can invest in and how they play off against one another. In that, as you know, for instance, one example is as uh, you know the currency expands as inflation. Um, continues gold becomes more valuable so there's certain investments that as one rises others will fall basically yeah. is what he points out and, and i'm so rusty on it i can't name them all but it's it's a, like three or four different types of investments and so basically he says you just invest in all of those areas and if one of them takes a hit the others will compensate for the the hit the one area took and he says that not only will they compensate but over time his portfolio which was invested in the way he was recommending gained like nine percent a year so, you know, on average, there were a few, uh, there were a few years where it didn't, didn't really do that well, but on average, over all of the years that he had invested that way, he did pretty decent, all things considered, and, and it really wasn't a very speculative portfolio at all. So, recommended. Well, it'd be nice to uh, gain a little money in your investments rather than just holding uh, firm. 9% is a little bit of money, right? Little, well, against what they're uh, printing? It, it might keep you up with inflation, and really, that's the best you can ask for, I think. 
800-259-9231. We continue. Let's talk to Paula in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Paula. Hi, hon. Hey. Uh, y'all were just talking about, you know, our veterans and, and the military daughters. I'm going to tell you something. They put my husband on medications. That, I mean, they had so severe reactions that we had to take him off of it, and we got him on the natural stuff that does the same thing now. And uh, He's having reactions to the natural stuff, no, too? No, no. No, I mean, there's no reaction to the natural stuff. But, oh, okay. I mean, everything that the VA is giving is so dangerous, like, you know, these uh, Lipitors and these statin drugs and stuff like this. I mean, this stuff kills you. Yeah, mm. it's, you know? it, it's and, I true. Mean, I've had to call the hospital myself and say, what are y'all doing giving people dangerous drugs like this? They want to kill them. I'm telling yeah. you. As a matter of fact, they, like, they want to do a, a Nick's laughing over husband. here. He doesn't believe well, me. Well, I don't think they necessarily want to kill you. These are pharmaceuticals, like Lipitor and things like that, are given out at every hospital. Right. If they um, didn't give they miss- if they didn't give Lipitor, then they'd be considered, uh, you know, remiss and not doing. But their they jobs. also misprescribe drugs as well. Oh, they do, and they overprescribe drugs. Right. So, I mean, there's some real good evidence out there that some of the doctors in the VA system have it in for their patients. Well, I've talked to some of them. They said they're actually going to natural medicine now. A lot of the doctors in the VA. That seems on you. Nah, I don't know if I believe that. Sounds unlikely. No, it's true. I mean, they have. I've already talked to some of them. Yeah, all right. And they Paula. said that they, you know, that they're, you know, matter of fact, I left uh, a catalog for the biggest natural medicine company in the world right there for the doctors. Well, I'm sure they really appreciated that, Paula. Well, a lot of them, a lot of them did. I mean, they really, you know, appreciate it. I mean, a lot of them now are beginning to see the truth. Well, I don't deny that there could be some good doctors in the VA system. There's no doubt. I'm sure that there are. It's just that uh, it, it certainly doesn't attract the best of the best. And their incentives aren't to help their patients. It's They're only going to do that out of the goodness of their heart. They don't actually yeah. have any financial incentive to do a good job. They don't have a financial incentive to treat their patients well. And I feel awful for anybody who's in the VA system. Get the hell out. Pay for your own health care. It'll be worth it in the long run. Thanks for the call, Paula. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. It's kind of like the public school. You know you're going to get substandard education um, versus you know the, the private uh, schools out mm-hmm. there. However... You know, you've you've done what it took to uh, to pay for it. You've you you paid in in the case of uh, you know military vets. They paid with their time. You know, they worked for this organization, and uh, in some cases, they're they're injured from their their jobs um, in the military. So you know, they they're they're sort of invested. They're in you know, and they kind of you kind of feel like you're in for an ounce, in for a pound. So in for a penny, in for a pound, whatever. And they might as well use the benefits that they have, and that's sort of the same feeling that people have for public schools. Yeah, I'm not going to say that the VA is not substandard care, but I do have to say, and I don't think there are very many doctors in the VA who are actively trying to, to kill off their patients. <laughs> I right. don't know. They, they might be, it might be substandard care, and they might be... Not yeah, they might be the I'm worst doctors that made it through I've medical school. I've talked to school. veterans. I, I'm not. They're convinced. Okay, but I, I wouldn't make this statement either. I mean, that's that that that's crack pottery. There. I wouldn't say but it if however, I haven't talked to veterans. The, about it. That's right, all. And, and that veteran certainly knows. Um, he's not nuts. He's the one. He could be nuts, but however, a persuasive story. The uh, the. The the fact is they're incentivized to do it. Well, I mean, you know, what are they going to lose if they kill off patients? They're just going to have fewer people to see. Right. All they the have same to do guy is over and over again. He gets to be irritating. You give him a statin drug. Oh, it killed him. Oh, that's a shame. Right. There's not going to be any way to really trace anything necessarily to those doctors if they're careful I mean, about it. 
after all, they are uh, disabled war vets. Right. So if, they're going to die. If somebody says something, if one of them says something about it, then they'll get shouted down by people like you. Oh, you're just a crazy old a war veteran. What well, the hell do you know? And look, Those doctors aren't trying to kill you, you crazy look, old coot. And look at the hospitals. I mean, when you look at the, the, the VA hospitals that have been put on the news for having, you know, very, very bad conditions. Yeah. What happens? Who loses their job? A bureaucrat usually nobody. gets transferred. Yeah, well, sometimes yeah, they transfer. Sometimes, a nobody, but rarely. Yeah, nobody loses their job. I, I, without hard evidence that somebody was actually prescribing drugs. A that preponderance made no sense. of hard evidence. Right. A right. huge preponderance well, of hard evidence. There's a preponderance of evidence that says that they don't really care whether you live or die, but I don't really see that they're incentivized to <laughs> kill you like an angel of death. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I guess uh, it would. It might show up if everyone started dying under one particular doctor's care, so they probably have to be a little careful about it. Though, then again, who's <laughs> investigating those things? More coming up. You can take control. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The single CAI. Toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version. Both are free for you, so enjoy them on us. At freetalklive.com. SACL CAI is uh, Free Talk Live's biggest sponsor. Not only have they sponsored us for, what, I think it's over it's a year. It's been a while now, yeah. Over a year now. Um, you know, their money keeps us on the air, thank goodness. They, they, they've made plans with us into the future, into expanding Free Talk Live into something big, bigger and better. And if you can, it's just, Don't I'm just saying, much. That, I'm not, that's all, I'm done talking about it. They've, uh, You can thank SACL CAI by thinking of businesses that you may own or, you know, that uh, that your friends and family may own and recommending to them that they turn over their accounts receivable, which is difficult and no fun to the business you work for. SACL CAI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You can check out more. You can find out more about SACL CAI uh, by seeing their banner at freetalklive.com. I recommend them fully. It's a great idea because it's a great company run by great people who are Free State Project. Or Jason, at the very least, is a Free State Project member, so he's and and their their here. whole concept behind collections isn't you know get the money at all cost. It's treating people with respect, and then they'll the customers will return. And apparently, it works because they've been in business for a long, long time at Sakel. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not some new startup. Like Thirty-five years, I believe. yeah, generations, right. All right. In the second. All right. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Matt in Michigan. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hey. hey, Matt, what's on your mind? Um, I wanted to respond to a question Mark asked you in, or yesterday on the show about uh, if you would still support anarchy, even if it were to have bad effects compared to a small government. Right. If, if uh, anarchy was, uh, you know, an anarch- uh, anarchistic, uh, no-government no situation was more harmful than a, you know, limited republic, you know, small government situation, would you still support it? I don't believe right. that that's a possibility, and uh, because in a government situation, inevitably, everyone has to be harmed. So, I'm not discounting. Yeah. I understand that you don't believe it's a possibility. I'm not saying whether you. I'm not asking you whether you believe it's possible. I didn't ask you whether you believe it's possible. Yeah. So you're answering. A I different cannot support question. aggression. Um, however, 
the question is, if it caused more harm in real terms, not aggressive terms, um, would you still support it? I cannot support aggression. Well, there you go. You're an ideologue. Congratulations. Do you support aggression, Mark? Is that what you're saying? You support aggression regardless of the consequences? I think that uh, I, I don't. I, I wouldn't or, support a, um, a system of government which would be more harmful. I see where you're coming from on that. I don't support a system of government. So anything else on your mind? Uh, yeah, I was just going to bring up that if you would support a system that did involve coercion and a limitation on liberty just because of the effects, I don't think you can legitimately be called pro-liberty anymore. Exactly. now you're pro-good effects. Right. You're a uti- that would make you a utilitarian. I, I have never uh, – as a matter of fact, I, I approach all of my thoughts on, on this show from a utilitarian uh, standpoint. But the problem I, I there, Mark, is it- – at all to be anything but utilitarian. However, I think that small government and liberty work. The problem with utilitarianism is it's subjective. In that it's you deciding what is harmful and what is not. It's you deciding what is right and what is wrong for what you determine as the greatest amount of people. And that's that could be completely different. Your determinations could be completely different from Nick's or from mine or from Matt's if we were all utilitarians. And then you've got this uh, you know un- unending conflict between but, uh, they the utilitarians. Could, but the evidence on this show is to the contrary. More and more people listen to the show. More and more people call in and say, I used to be for, I used to be a Republican or I used to be a socialist and now listening to you guys i'm a libertarian so the 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 fact of the matter is it's working wait what's working from a utilitarian standpoint my utilitarian arguments are working people are being turned to liberty because they see the logic in them well no liberty's not what your point is mark you're talking about small government and that's not liberty whenever there's government you have aggression and so therefore you can't possibly have liberty 99 percent liberty isn't liberty no it's not it's just uh, you know a nicer version of slavery than we have today well you're a 100 percent jerk no you're the jerk because you're the one advocating aggression i'm the one advocating freedom you're the one discounting liberty what are you talking about? Discounting 99% liberty. Ninety-nine percent liberty That's is not, not liberty. liberty. So it's tyranny. All tyranny is the same. If one percent of the people tyranny. are tyrannized, if one percent of the people are tyrannized, my fight isn't. You know, my uh, my fight's not over. As long as somebody is out there being enslaved, you don't have liberty. And the you know we're both going to the same place. So why argue about it? I don't know. You're the one that brought it up. What brought what up? The guy called in on it. You but but you brought it up initially. What what else did you have to say? No, tonight, I asked you a question. Matt, anything else? Oh, uh, Mark, here's a question for you. Would you support, let's say, rape if it happened to, uh, you know, have less bad effects than good effects? If rape had fewer bad effects? Limited rape. How about limited rape? Uh, limited rape if it had fewer bad effects? We're only going to rape 1% of, uh, of all the women and, and men out there. That way 99% can be rape-free. How about that? I don't believe that it's possible I don't believe that that's possible. However, I support the uh, least amount of harm to the, the the fewest amount of people. So you are saying you support raping one percent of the people? Then I don't so. believe that it's possible to uh, decrease you know harm to people by <laughs> raping people. That seems like a ludicrous proposition. And I don't However, believe it's possible to I decrease harm. The least amount of harm. Right. And I don't I don't believe it's possible to decrease harm uh, or to eliminate harm by uh, by decreasing government because there will always be harm. But to... you support uh, but but you support the least amount of harm. No, I support total freedom and liberty. See, yeah. ideologue versus practicality.
Well, I do have to say that even Thomas Jefferson, who supported institutions like slavery... Thomas he, Jefferson's a fascist! Well, no, actually, he said he would rather... It's a rough quote, but he said he'd rather deal with the problems arising from too little go- government than too much. So, and there are a lot of other libertarian thinkers who've said that I can freedom totally. is worthwhile, not because it always works better, because honestly, for all the examples where government doesn't do as good a job as the market, you could have a scenario where you want to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're a utilitarian, you could be a safety Nazi, and even if it, you know, stunted growth in the economy, you could <coughs> mandate safety regulations that really might save lives that you couldn't mandate. Uh, you know, through the free market. Mm, so there yeah. are certain scenarios where you could do something that accomplish your goals, and you might think they're worthwhile goals that you couldn't do through the free market. I would totally agree that I would rather deal with the problems of more liberty than less liberty. I can see the advantages there, absolutely. I Great, just so let's these, go there. I just approach the, I, these things from a utilitarian standpoint, and I believe that liberty works most of the time. And you're willing to have people raped so you can have your small government. What are you talking about? I don't know. Anything else, Matt? No, thanks. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's just a question to to, uh, pigeonhole Ian. And the fact is, he sounds nuts when he makes statements. I'm nuts because I support uh, non-aggression. I'm nuts because I support voluntary interaction. I'm nuts because I support liberty and freedom. Is that what you're trying to say? You're nuts because you would support more harm to um, to society than less. I do not support more harm to society. I would not participate in a society that was harming uh, its members. You said you did. No, that's not what I said. Yes, you did. No, I support freedom and liberty. It's your subjective declaration that it would be more harmful, whatever that would be off in the future, which you've yet to define. You've yet to come up with an with an, even an example I, of this I, I ludicrous t- scenario. I gave you two examples. One was uh, slavery. The other one was male circumcision. That uh, you know, society. You know that they. You know, these could be implemented. Um, that that the size become morally. Uh, I am not going to circumcise my children, so therefore, it's not an issue for me. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, and those features include the bulletin board system. We've got over 350,000 posts. There's a lot of stuff to talk about there. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com and get interactive. It's free. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Now, for those of you uh, listening via podcast or um, the radio, I, I don't know if our radio listeners heard I think our radio listeners probably did hear it, but uh, we went over our break time, so we probably lost like 30 seconds of the last segment. And so just to recap where we were at, uh, you were bringing back up or a caller brought back up something that you were talking we were talking about the other night on the program, Mark, and that was this idea, the question that you had for me about if in the future with no government, it turned out that. There was more harm than there would be with a limited government. Uh, Sort of. Would I support limited government? Really, what I gave you was a a choice between two scenarios. Um, A a situation where there is no government and it it causes more harm to society and people or whatever. It's more harm from no government than there is from limited government. And you had to choose. 
Yes, and I choose total freedom. I choose uh, the voluntary society, and because even if you're looking at a Mad Max scenario where people driving around with uh, jeeps and with uh, you know 60 cals uh, mounted on the top, and the only way you can, uh, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, there's a scenario yeah. for no government right. well, that have causes to go, more harm right. for people have to, to society. Right. You have to go off into the, the realm of the extreme in, in order That's to even make a point. That's what most people imagine I no understand. government means. And you've got overactive imaginations because all of the evidence points to a more peaceful society in the absence of a coercive state. In fact, I want to go back to the point I was making here, and we'll go on with your phone calls. But the, the subjective point about what is harm, your question hinges on, well, would there be more harm in the voluntary society or more harm in the limited government society. And it all depends on your perspective. So, for instance, someone like me, I say that uh, harm, the, the worst possible harm that you can have is people being enslaved and killed. And that's what we have with governments today. People around the world, this country and all around the world, are being, they are either enslaved or they are killed by governments. Everyone, 100% of people, are one or, are, you know, fall into one of those two categories. And I don't think that, I don't believe there could be any worse harm than that. So, but then we change over to somebody else's definition of harm. For instance, a Puritan, uh, their definition of harm might be parents educating their kids about sex. And if we left uh, sex education in the hands of parents, then kids might not necessarily get the abstinence messages that they're currently getting today from the government programs. And so, therefore, having a free market society would be more harmful to the Puritans, uh, you know, from their I viewpoint. I don't think harm um, is necessarily a subjective term. It really just means bodily injury or loss of property in the same way that you use it you and i understand harm uh, well you're the wrong same terminology no, you're wrong that yeah that's incorrect most people would say that drinking beer is harmful to your health which sure it is they take no the and, the, and the puritan would a couple say of beers a day is good for you and the puritan would say that getting a, and the puritan would say that drinking beer or getting a sexual education is harmful to that to young person's soul. psyche or soul or whatever so i'm sorry if i soul Quantify harm well, no. to your psyche. I don't have to. I'm not the one making that point. That's I'm why saying it's the not subjective. I but can you show you a bullet wound. I can show you the loss I have right, of private but property. It, it is subjective because other people use the term to mean things that are not Right. Other people, other You're the people one up against the ropes tonight, my friend. Ponies, as far as I'm and concerned. most people is, in the world do, Mark. So you, if you're going to be a utilitarian, you have, to deal, <laughs> you have to deal with the real world where people use harm to mean anything they don't like. You're fired. Get out. The, the <laughs> fact is I cannot. I would love for you to give me a vision of, uh, of a world, a free market world. Mad Max. Look. Even in Mad Max, there, uh, not everyone was being extracted from, and not everyone was, uh, you know, subject to, to death necessarily. They were subject to tyranny, um, where you know the the, the in, in yeah, but the you could road fight warrior back. where the, where the, you could the, fight the back. Ayatollah of Rockarola comes comes after everybody. It's still tyranny. Whether there was or not no successful. There was no uh, perceived legitimate system that people necessarily obeyed. You could fight back against anybody who was an aggressor. Did you see the, in that the, world. Guy, the, the the pretty guy with the white hair get the the arrow through his heart? It's been That's a long harm. time. It's been a long time. <laughs> I, I will say that in the absence of a, a state, like a nation state as we would think of it, even if there's not perceived legitimacy behind you know, different violent individuals, what you've seen historically is once one state apparatus has disintegrated or gone away or been overthrown, you simply see either uh, another single entity come up and replace it sure. or you see different factions fight. And no doubt. I have my doubts as to whether... At least currently, uh, a free market paradigm, a completely free market paradigm, 
would be sustainable or right. whether well, we you simply see the majority of the people recognize the state. And once you have most people on the side of the state, you tend to see it. Oh, yeah, I'm with you. There's no doubt that an overthrow of the existing government would result, I think it would absolutely result in another government just coming to fill its its shoes. That's, and likely that is, something um, in the interim not as pleasant. That is the history, certainly. That's why we're trying to uh, promote the the evolution of mankind to where we can educate people and have them Who's accept we? and embrace those who believe in voluntarism, those who think like I do. Uh, we would like people to, to come to understand the voluntary viewpoint and embrace it themselves. That way we can move on past this whole notion of governments and move into a truly voluntary society. Let's talk to Paul in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Paul. Paul in Illinois going once. Paul in Illinois fell asleep going after that whole twice. Thing. Oh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty lively. I don't know if Paul's gone or not, but uh, we'll try him back later if he's still there. Let's go in the meantime to the email box. A couple emails here uh, right quick about intellectual property. From Meat, he says, I was going to write a lengthy email, but the more I thought about it, the simpler it got. Number one, patents, trademarks, and copyrights cannot exist Without coercive force. That's true. Number two, in a society without laws to protect ideas, people with good ideas will find ways to profit from them. There's a huge potential market. It will be different than today. Yeah, it sure would. Uh, uh, Meat says there's a huge potential market out there for people that are good at marketing to provide services for people with good ideas that would allow both sides to profit. That market can't exist as long as it's prohibitively expensive to protect intellectual property, like paying lawyers. In a world without intellectual property laws, the most honest, hardworking, and creative promotion companies would attract the people with the best ideas. Whether you're a musician in a world, um, excuse me, whether you're a musician, inventor, or just an average person with a light bulb flashing over your head, it would be easy to get a good creation into the marketplace. This isn't libertarian utopianism. utopianism. We've all seen the process working in Silicon Valley, where everyone made so much money that paying lawyers was a tolerable expense, and growth was so quick that the government wasn't able to con- uh, wasn't able to gain any control of the industry. If you provide people who believe in intellectual property with a cheaper, easier alternative, they will come on board. And that's, of course, his vision for how he thinks thing, things would work in the future. It could be that, you know, that might happen. It could be that uh, I think Stephen Kinsella's vision of having sort of idea centers where there would be essentially businesses that would attract the best idea men and they would uh, they would innovate and they would come up with ideas and then manufacturers would take those ideas and, and manufacture them. That's another way it could possibly play out. Or it could possibly play out in a way that none of us could possibly identify because the fact is the inventors will want protection probably they'll want protection for their ideas. They'll certainly want to profit from them. Whether or not the ideas are protected, they'll certainly want to profit from coming up with good ideas. And if the marketplace can't figure out how to do that, well, then the marketplace can't really do much of anything. But we know the marketplace is very good at solving problems and providing people with what they want. So inevitably, someone would develop some innovative ways to get inventors paid for their great, uh, great ideas. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that, t- to me, it's it's right. Uh, it, it's fine that people download stuff off the Internet. It's impractical to try to go after them. And it's certainly uh, you know not good for your business to, to try to sue your customers. Um, and I think a lot of people that download things off the internet buy buy things too. You know, for instance, they'll read a book or read a portion of a book on the internet and then go out and buy the book because they want to possess that book. Yep. Or uh, a CD, music, that kind of thing. It's it's difficult to know. Um, I, I when it comes to selling things that belong to uh, someone else, uh, as far as intellectual property goes, I think that's immoral. 
However, yeah, you know, when it comes, if that's your only excuse for having a government around, I think it's a pretty crappy. Well, one. and let the marketplace figure out how to protect those people. If that's what they're wanting, there will be ways to do it. More coming up. You can take control, whether it be some sort of interlocking uh, protection system, uh, insurance, or what it would end up being. I can't predict, but it would certainly be a lot better than this one-size-fits-all government patent system. More coming up. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. If you make it now at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, and if you enjoy the program... You can help support Free Talk Live and look good in the process by shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com, order great Free Talk Live branded merchandise like t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and more. Just go to store.freetalklive.com. Also, if you're looking for some great pro-liberty entertainment, you should uh, head on over to Nick's website, freemindstv.com, where you can get YouTube videos of Free Minds TV. You can also get a podcast and downloadable mp3s of free minds radio which you guys took a week uh, you took a week off this week from free minds radio right yes we did we were pork fest. we were still coming back from pork fest and uh toby and brenna had some things they had to do on sunday as well so we figured with all the shooting we did over the weekend we had uh We'd done our duty, but there yeah, will you be got a lot of footage. Right? Yeah, there will be a pork fest special that'll be separate from the regular episodes. We will be coming so back. You'll be making soon. up the lost week. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, in terms of video. So, so another great way to uh, to to fill your plate. If you don't get enough free talk live in eighteen hours a week or twelve hours a week, isn't good enough for you. Then uh, get on board with Free Minds TV and Free Minds Radio because it's great stuff, and you guys are doing a good job over there. Someday, hopefully, you'll make some money at it. Hopefully, someday. <laughs> hey, you got to put in your time. We did. <laughs> yeah, what was it, like four or five years before we like four years Something before we like started that. making money? All right, 800-259-9231. We're going to try Paul again. I believe he is on the line this time. Let's uh, let's try Paul here. Hello there. Paul in in Illinois. Hello, Paul. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Paul. Yes, sir. Go on. What's your and, mind? What's on your mind? Uh, what's on the mind is um, dealing with the whole... Uh, Catholic. The what? The whole Catholic uh, thing and Catholic. Uh, yeah. What and Catholic thing are you referring to? What are you dealing with? Well, I, I'm I'm wondering. Uh, you know, is is this uh, something that we should be concerned about? Catholics? What are you referring to? They've been around to? two thousand years. What's there to be concerned with? Well, uh-huh. you know, it's been going on for for you know two thousand years, and um, I'm wondering, uh, should we be concerned about this? And is this something that we should be uh, active? You know, what is it that you about? believe the Catholic the Catholic Church is doing? Should, I don't understand the question. What, yeah, should it, we be concerned about what? Give us some idea that, what we should be concerned about. Let me see about. if I'm understanding this question. Should we be concerned about the fact that people practice Catholicism? Is that what your issue is? Uh, no, I'm wondering, you know, how, how this enters into this end time. 
the end times. Yeah, you called the wrong show. Um, I, I don't. Yeah, I, think I don't that know the, what the hell you're my talking opinion, about. Is dude. that uh, when Paul, who whom I don't believe is a legitimate apostle in, in the first place, claimed that uh, that in fact the end times were near, I believe that he believed that they were coming relatively soon. Therefore. He was wrong. And I don't think that they're any closer now than they were then, and I don't really think they're going to happen at all. Paul, your thoughts? No, no, seriously. You don't believe... No, I'm just asking. uh, You know, Mm -hmm. um, James and Paul, you know, had, had a very difficult time with each other. And if we are in the end times, which... You know, your show believes, and I believe. No, too. sir. I, you, I don't know what show you think you've called. Uh, you have I certainly don't called in the, the end wrong. times. Yeah, I don't you, believe that they exist. Yeah, I believe the Bible's a silly old book, sir. Honestly. Yeah. So the Bible is a silly old book. That's right. I believe it gives some good guidance on how to live your life. Some, and, in some and places, I, I think that it points to, um, you know, that 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 God exists. There's some and, good, there's some poor can, guidance there too. I'll tell you that. I, I, I can see where the psalmist, uh, you know, uh, you know, wrote with joy in his heart about the about a God that he loved. I can I can totally see that. I think that the proverbs offer really great advice. But there's a good advice in a lot of books out there. Yeah, and it's no different I don't think than that, I think that it, I think it's it would be silly to believe that Noah floated around on a boat made of gopher wood that was. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I understand. Um, right. How about how about the uh, Kabbalistic views, uh, the Judaistic Kabbalistic views? You know, how do they into it? Yeah, I really am having a hard time answering your question, so I'm just going to let you go. Thank you for the call tonight. How do the Judaistic capitalistic views enter into the the end times? Is that Catholic what he's getting? Catholic. I have Catholic. no clue. That man was out I, of his sounds board. Sounds like religious questions. Yeah, about. you know what I think it might be is some speculation. The network that we're on, the Genesis Communications Network, sometimes runs two shows simultaneously. They have a they have like an internet only network that doesn't actually. Uh, doesn't go out to any radio stations or anything like that. And I think there's some pastor that has a show opposite ours at, at the network. So maybe he thought he was calling that guy's show. I don't know. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything, even if you're a crazy old religious guy like that guy. Uh, hey, here's a disturbing story from the Associated Press. Thousands of friends, colleagues, and strangers joined President Bush and his wife Laura in paying respects on Tuesday to Tim Russert? Several hundred people were in line for more than an hour before the early afternoon start of the wake at St. Albans School. Blah, 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 blah. It goes on to tell you about how... So is the cadaver there? Huh? Is the cadaver there? <laughs> I don't know. I just want to know, I mean, it, it, you know, if, if I'm going to wait an hour, you better produce a body. Wow. Nick, as a uh, television personality, uh, would you want your fans to come to your funeral and wait around an hour to um, hang out? And- not really. I mean, if I, I suppose if I had longer, hopefully I'll die a long time from now and hopefully do more on TV. I guess if I had a really long career and they wanted to, but I think it's weird. Um, people on TV, uh, just because you've seen their face a lot, if you've never spoken to them or met them, yeah. the person inside that box who's moving around and talking doesn't know who you are sitting there on the couch. And they probably don't care whether or not you come to their funeral. 
It's probably the case. I, uh, but that's not the disturbing part of the story. I, I kind mean, of see weird. what you're saying. I mean, I've, I've met a few people, uh, quite a few people, that uh, have listened to the show, and sometimes it goes well, and sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. Right. And, uh, you know, sort of, like, some, you know, sometimes, I guess it would be the, the, the most introverted of them, will come up and say, I listened to the show, and then... Uh, you know, stand there and kind of smile a little bit as though I'm going to start doing the show for them or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I try to it's, have exchanges. Right. And it's it, nice to know that you have fans, especially when you're doing something where you have a message and you well, and I the just fans want them to, to enjoy right, the product. Right. But That's you all. and the fans, uh, with Free Talk Live and Free Minds TV, there's generally a shared common goal and something you're working towards with your fans. In the case of Tim Russert, he was just a journalist. I mean, he was a talking head. He asked people questions. Right. His job was to sell ads, and he might have been a really nice guy. I never Minus met. too. Right. I ne- <laughs> right. That's, that's true. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, I, I, I don't really see why people are flocking to Tim Russert's Well, funeral. I can explain that. I think I can explain that. I don't know how much it is with TV, but I'm sure it's similar. They say that radio is a very personal medium. When you're listening to the radio, it's the voice of the host going right into your ears, and if you listen long enough, you feel like you know the host. So it's I think probably you do, the case. To, some, to a large extent. To some extent, yes. But, but it's exactly what you said, Nick. You may know something about us, but we don't know hardly anything about you. And so don't be confused for a moment. We may be friendly, we may be nice guys when you meet us in person, but we aren't your friends, right? Unless they, you know, someone can grow that way. Unless we actually (laughs) are your friends, in which case that's a possibility, but you have to kind of be here in New Hampshire. I'm certainly open to that, but... uh... But that's I not mean, the disturbing. For instance, there was a caller here, pretty regular on the show, Sam, um, who... I, you know, he'd call in and he he seemed a little radical to me and everything. But when I'd talk to him in in real life at uh, at the pork fest and that kind of thing, I got to know him this guy and I I liked him. And he stayed over, uh, you know, last week at my house a, a couple of days uh, during pork fest. You know, he was tra- wanted to travel yeah. the state and, and that kind of thing. So I I let him stay at my place. So and Robert Wicks, another caller on the show, they've they've stayed at my house. So you know, I'm open to that. However. Oh, not boy, now you're going to have people emailing you. Well, I want to spend the night. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> can but, I sleep with you? But you? Can, but even with a show like Free Talk Live, there's an interaction. You have callers who you know. That's true. You can't interact with Tim Russert. With, with Tim Russert, he's just pumping stuff out there for you to watch. He's probably not replying it. to emails either. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure he gets a ton of them. No, probably not. But and here's I, the most, I mean, the, the interest, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a human interest part of the story. But what I found the most disturbing is the idea that the president is going to a wake for a television personality. And it really sh- and there's a whole bunch of people there as well, but it really shows you how the lines have been blurred between the world of journalism and politics. It's not the journalists keeping the poli- you know the politicians' feet to the flames anymore. It's a mutual love fest between the two. The president is is essentially worshiping this guy after death, just as you know as they salivate and worship uh, you know all the politicians. That's their job description now. It's not to check them. It's not to balance them. It's to it's to bow down to them. And it's really strange to me seeing this happen. Uh, More coming up tomorrow night. We'll see you online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 